Hello. Welcome to Nobody Dies Here. I'm Christina and I've been coming to the injecting room as a client for quite a few years. During this podcast series, I'll be bringing you stories from people who use the room. All of us have a different reason for coming here. Some people will be talking about how or why they use the room. Some are on programs to cut down or stop using heroin, treatments they access through the MSER. Other people come here to be around people who understand them and yeah, they know they'll be kept safe. Michelle Ransom Hughes came to the MSER to record these interviews in 2022. In the first episode, you're going to hear some of the stories of a fella named Beatty. And a heads up, they talk a bit about overdosing. Listen with care and if it gets too hard to hear, make sure you check in with someone. I've always been shit scared of needles. When I was young, I just was so scared. I just wouldn't go to the doctors or anything. You know, it's funny, I ended up being an addict. <laughs> it's amazing, when, like when you're an addict, what you'll do. So I've been going there a long time. I'm actually the fourth person registered. Yeah, I used to go there every day when I was a, um, like a fully blown uh, addict, you know what I mean? But um, because of that place, I managed to cut down to like once every two weeks or twice a week, you know, depending, which is huge for me. You know, I never thought I'd be able to do that. You know, and it's such a relief waking up in the morning and not, you know, I've got me medicine, I'm on a methadone program, but, you know, I'm not waking up worried about where I'm going to score, you know, how I'm going to get the money, you know what I mean? That in itself is just, but because I've been doing it for so long, it's so hard to, to the hard part's not stopping, it's getting out of the whole thing. Just getting your head around and getting out of the, getting out of that scene. I think a lot of people just look down at you, and you know that, you know, like oh he's out, he's gone. You know what I mean? Especially if you're injecting. But um, you just want to feel normal, and that's what I think that people don't understand. You're not doing it. You know, you don't get high when you're an addict. You're not getting high. I only got high for the first time. First week I had it. After that, when you become addicted, it's just so you can feel normal. You know what I mean? So once the booth is free, I'm always on my own pretty much. So I go to a single. So you get you go in there, and um, first thing I do, I'm pretty careful with my helpers, washing my hands. Yeah, so you go over and you get what you need. You ask them, they've got like a bench there. It's exactly like a bar. It's like ordering, you know, alcohol. But they've got all different um, gauges, syringes. Me personally, I get these, I call them long blues. They're blue ones because I have to go on the groin because all my veins are collapsed. And it's very dangerous. That's why I always go there um, as well because where I'm injecting, it's pretty, you know, if something happens, I know that they're going to help me, you know what I mean? And um, if you hit an artery, it's very painful if you inject into it. And, and um, I'm not too sure exactly, but it's a lot, it's dangerous.
you get your your long blue. Yeah, long and all the other stuff. Um, the, the syringes, and then you get like cotton wool, which is for a filter, and swabs, which is you rub where you're going to inject. You know, so it's, it's alcoholic swabs. So you rub that clean, and then they, you can get a spoon, um, water, uh, and um, yeah, once you've got all that, you're pretty much set. Then you go to your booth. They're all numbered, so you go. They tell you what number to go to, and yeah, you sit down there. And then um, there's always nurses there walking around watching everyone. And um, yeah, if you need help, bang, they're onto it straight away. How do you feel about their presence? Um, at, at first, it was a bit. Um, cause some, you know, they're standing over you, sort of. You know, not standing over you, but they're behind you. You know, watching everyone, watching everyone, just, just for safe for health and safety reasons, not that they're, you know. But, um, yeah, you get used to it, you know. And you get used to seeing staff that you know, so, you, you know, you know their names here. You build up that sort of, you know, friendship with them, you know. Like, when you're in there, you can't move around and swap things with people. You know, once you're in your booth, that's it. You know, they'll kick you out, you know. It's not like um, a drug den. You know, people lying in the corner and... You know, you, you can't smoke drugs in there. You can only inject, you know, or, or snort or, you know. You can't go in there and, you know, smoke it, ice or heroin or anything like that. Or marijuana, it's only, it's an injecting facility. You know, and you can't pass stuff between each other, you know, things like that. There are a lot of people, you know, when they're on the nod. But, um, yeah, there's also a lot of people that are joking around. And nothing serious, you know, just like, yeah, it's a good feeling when you're in there. And the way they talk to you, you know, they talk to you like a normal person. So I wanted to, only if you're comfortable, I wanted to That's ask okay. you whether you fear overdose. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because it's happened to me, me before. I've never overdosed at, at the injecting. I've never overdosed in there. But yeah, I definitely fear it. Um... Because it can just happen like, you know, like that. It can just come out, out of nowhere. It's, that's what's happened to me, me before. Luckily, I was with someone. That's why I never... I, when I inject, I'm always trying to be with someone for the fact that, you know, so many, so many things can go wrong. So, um, yeah, if you're on your own, that's when you get into trouble. All I can remember is it happened that quickly that I injected... And I didn't even have enough time to pull the syringe out of me. Yeah. I, I, shit, I shot the drug in. I, did, I, I, I went, you know, before I even pulled the syringe out. That's how quick it happened. And um, luckily I was with um, a friend and he pulled the syringe out. And he didn't call an ambulance or anything. He actually, because <laughs> he's, he's a strong guy, he actually carried me out to the car because I was at another mate's house. And, um, yeah, he carried me out to the car and took me home. <laughs> and, um, yeah, once I was home, he carried me inside. Because um, if you call an ambulance, they give you a narcan. They, and it, a lot of addicts don't like it because it blocks you. It blocks the heroin out. So it's just a total waste of what you just had. I wouldn't mind it because I don't want to die, you know. Yeah, exactly. But he carried me home and, um, yeah, I woke up when, when I got home. And um, yeah, it's it's scary. 
real scary. And um, I've seen it happen to so many people. And so many people have died, you know, being on their own. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of them. I fear it big time. Yeah. Once you've seen it, it's, it's, um, it's really scary. It's, um, you realise we're pretty fragile. We're not as, as, um, you know, we're tough, but we're also very, we're fragile as well. What's it like when someone drops in zone two in the in the room? Um, pretty much straight away, the nurses will come over more than one. You know, and there's always, there's always one of them's always like the head nurse that knows a lot more than the others. And um, yeah, they're, they're amazing. Like, like you know, they'll huddle around the person, give them oxygen, or, or um, you know, give them an injection to. If you know, not they won't always give them an injection. You know, to get them back. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes the person will be that bad that you know they have to. They get this, they put them in this special chair, and take them into a room where they can help them out more, away from everyone else. You know, so they can. Or, let other people use the facility and things like that, you know. But, yeah, it's amazing watching them work. They know exactly what to do, you know. And they're so professional, you know. They've just saved someone's life and they just do it like, you know, there's no there's no glory. You know, they just saved this person's life and they, they do it all the time. It's, you know, they do it every day. It's amazing, like, you know. They're honestly angels. They really are, like, you know. Yeah. They're so focused and so... It doesn't mean they haven't got a heart, you know. They're still... You know, you make, you make jokes with them and things like that. You have a laugh, you know. You know, because we all need that, you know what I mean? When you know that that's happening, you're in that zone and that's happening around you for someone or a couple of people even, does it change the feeling for you? No, 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 you get, I hate to say it, but you get used to it. You get used to all that sort of stuff, you know, because you're dealing with that on the outside as well. I've, I've helped people you know, that have OD in the stairwell, you know, all sorts of things. Um, yeah, so you're pretty much used to that anyway, yeah. You become sort of, I don't know the word for it, desensitised, you, you know, you're still, but, um, yeah. It's probably why you don't stop to reflect on it because yeah. you don't want to feel that. Exactly. Cause, yeah, exactly. Because things, yeah, exactly with things like that, you don't want it to, if it gets into your heart, you know, exactly. It's, but it's, it's good to talk about it and get it out. Yeah. But um, yeah, you, you know. sort of do try and block all that away. You sort of have to, or else it just overwhelms you. And, um, but yeah could go some way to explaining why there's a lot of laughing and joking around. There is. There's a huge amount of that in there. A lot more than, yeah, normal. Exactly. It's a way of coping with what's going on. Like, I'm only in there for like an hour maximum or 40 minutes. I never really stay long, but, you know, being in there all day, you, yeah, you, there's so much, yeah, there's so, I've noticed that there's so much j- joking and, and, and things like that going on between all the staff. 
yeah, I think that's a really good way of coping with it. And the clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it goes both ways. Yeah. <laughs> the whole place is just lively. It's very lively, yeah. I've never been in there and it's all dull and depressing. It's so, it's very, very lively, which is a really good thing. What's the difference, do you reckon, between outside and inside in terms of how you're treated by people? By people, oh, it's, you know, it's a huge difference. Like, you, you know, they've, they've got, they're very professional there, but they respect you, you know what I mean? As long as you put that respect back, you know, you, you, know, you get treated really, really good. But, um, yeah, on the outside, you know, it's... Um, it's hard, people treat you so different, you know. But it's because they don't understand, do you know what I mean? Like if they understood, I think, if people understood, you know, because um, for me personally, and for a lot of people I know, you know, you, you just want to be normal, you just want to, you know, have a nine to five job, you know. Um, you want to be part of the community, you know what I mean? You don't want to be, no one wants to be, you know, left out, you know. But, and that's what it's like on the outside, you know? It's like, um, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, Yeah, it's like there's two, two communities. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But um, I, me personally, I don't like people's knowing that I, that I use. That's why, you know, you can do that there. Like, you, you know, you, they don't call you by your name or, you know, you can, you can be anonymous. That's what I like about that place as well, you know. I'm, I'm trying to get out of that. You know, I'm trying to, you know, have, have friends that aren't addicts and things like that. Because, but it's hard. I was entrenched in that for so long. Even though I've changed a lot, I'm a lot healthier. It's so hard to, um, you know, start again. Do you disclose to people uh, that you meet new people? and say No, that? never. No, because there's too much of a stigma especially if it's that, with that sort of drug. It's different if it was just marijuana or something like that. You could just, no one cares. But with that particular drug, you know, people, you know, alarm bells go off, you know. You know, people think you're going to be desperate, you know what I mean, and do desperate things, you know. But, yeah, they're right in a way, but, you know, if, you, if you're not doing it, if you're not an addict every day, you know, and you're just doing it occasionally, like socially, like I'm, like I'm doing now. You, you know, people should realise that you know you're not you're not like that anymore. You know what I mean? How many years were you using heroin? Oh, since I'm, um, I'm 35 now. Since the age of um, probably 14, 15. I, I knew it would be good when, it, when they first talked about it and they first opened it. I knew that, you know, but it's it's changed my life. Just like, you don't want to, when you're injecting, you don't want to do it, you don't want to toil it all down an alleyway. That's what drew me there. I've got hepatitis C and all that, because it's really hard to avoid that, you know. I don't share needles or anything, but, um, yeah, what drew me to it was just, Wanting to become more healthy, you know, because I was really sick, you know. Because when you when you when you're an addict, you just want to get it and have it. Do you know what I mean? 
yeah, it, that's what drew me there. Um, and that's what's happened. I've slowly done this, I've done that. I've found a place to live. It's all through there. You know, all the support that's there. And I've done a full circle, my life's changed. I, I still I'm still call myself an addict, but not an everyday addict. I access like, um, I'm a diabetes, diabetes educator. You know, that's changed a lot. You know, he's helped me, you know, with the diabetes. It's not, that in itself is not easy, you know. That's been a huge health thing for me. Were you managing it at all before? or you... No, not when I was homeless. I was, and I was in and out of hospital all the time because of it, because, you know, it makes you very sick, you know, if you're not, you know. Yeah. Doing things right. The main one was like, finding a place to live and they put me onto launch housing and they've been unbelievable, like, you know, um, where I'm staying, they, they found a place for me and all that because I'm, I'm in a program called H2H, Homeless to Home. It was, it's, it's hard and it's still hard because I've been on the streets for so long. So it's hard to, it, it's a big adjustment. Yeah, but just having a place is just, it's fantastic, you know what I mean? It makes a huge difference in someone's life, you know, and um, yeah, basically, I've just, it's stable, you know, it's stabilised me and I've been able to, you know, um, it's going to take me, it's still a long time to get to where I want to get to, but you know, tell, you know, I'm. You're only young. Yeah, sort of. You I are. feel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, my, I feel like 80, you know, my body, because I've abused it a lot. But um, yeah, I'm slowly getting there. I just want to find a job, like, you know, find a partner and, you know, just, just be just be a normal sort of person. I'd like to be like a bartender. I can see myself doing that. I, want, I really want to do like a bartending course because it's funny, I don't drink alcohol, but um, I'd love to do something, I don't know why, I just, I'd love to do something like that. You know, because you, you, you're interacting with people, you know, and you hear some fantastic stories. Yeah, I'd love to do something like that. And um, I, I like to play the drums. I'm a drummer. I'm not in a band or anything, but um, yeah, I like to play the drums. And um, I got taught lessons when I was young at school, so I haven't, I haven't got a drum kit at the moment, but I've got like pads I practice on, you know, but yeah, I, I like, I, I want to get into a band one day, yeah. What kind of music do you like? Pretty much everything, you know. There's nothing I don't like. Really? So you do like orchestral or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a painting. Someone's created that. You know, it's like a piece of art, you know. Someone's put everything into that to create something like that. It's beautiful. Code Blue, Code Blue. Entrance of North Richmond Community Health Centre, Code Blue. What's Code Blue? Code Red's bad. Code Blue is... Not good. But, um, yeah, it's good for the music, it's good for the soul. You know, it makes you, it's good for you, you know what I mean? When I, I, I missed that for a long time when I was a, um, on the streets and a, and a full-blown addict. You know, you just, you just live in the moment and, and yeah, it's a struggle because I, I was living like that for so long. It's a struggle just to, to meet new friends and things like that, but I'm getting there slowly. The last place I was living was a shopping centre before I got a house. I was living in like the loading bay. I'd just like put um, cardboard down and you know, sleep on that. 
had a beanbag. The security guard let me stay there, security guard, because it was safe there, you know. And um, one morning I woke up and there was a mouse <laughs> sitting right next to me, Special looking stuff, at me. Special stuff, staying down to code blue, staying down to code blue. I opened my eyes and there's this little mouse staring at me. He must have been watching me sleep or something because he's right, right next to me, like, right, looking at me, head. Like I opened my eyes and he's looking at me. I was going to give him a little pat, but he ran off. <laughs> Hello again, it's Christina here. You've been listening to an edited interview between Beattie and our producer, Michelle Ransom Hughes. They talked in 2022 at the medically supervised injecting room in North Richmond, Melbourne. Since that conversation, Beatty's made more positive changes. He says he's been building bridges with his family and things are looking up. Thanks to all the clients and staff at the MSUR for supporting this independent project. Music credits and other acknowledgements are in the show notes. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast to hear the whole series for free. If you're injecting drugs, make sure to take good care of yourself. Always use a fresh, new needle. Try not to be alone, and if unable to use the MSIR, please let somebody know. And it's a good idea to half your shot if ever in doubt. Thank you for listening to Nobody Dies Here, and I'll be back in episode four with more stories. Did you say Melbourne? Supervised. Supervised, oh, injecting. Um, what would I call it? I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'd just call it a health um, health centre. It really is like, it really is a health centre. I have wondered what people who are using the place call it. Like yeah. The rooms or... Oh, what do they call it? There is a nickname. Uh, oh, people just call it the exchange. Oh, a lot of people call it the exchange. Yeah, they just say, oh, man, you know, I'll be down at the exchange. Because that's what it was for a long time. Yeah, right? and it was used to be able to get the syringes. They had like a vending machine. It was like a Coke machine. It's funny, exactly like a Coke machine. And you push the button, to what syringe you get. But the thing is, it didn't work. People just wrecked it because it was outside out the front there. And also what people would do is, I don't know how they did it, but they'd go there and they'd empty the machine. They'd get everything out. And then they'd sit there trying to sell them even though they're for free, because after like seven, there's nothing around here. <laughs> you know, it's all, everything's closed. You're desperate after seven to get syringes, because there's nothing around here. Well, I guess the good thing so, now is that you can get like a big pack oh, yeah, to keep you going. It's, it's, yeah, because you should never use it twice, you know, like you should use that one and then throw it away. Yeah, I, and, was, um, I was pretty surprised to see you can get a box of 100 if you need to. Yeah, I've done that before, yeah. Yeah, the only problem is people disposing of them properly. That's what's good about that place because you're having it there and it's not, that needle's not going to go anywhere but, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's it. That's, there's so many bonuses with with a place like that. A lot of addicts, you know, just bang, they have their shot and just dump. I don't, and I'm, I've never done that. You know, they just dump their syringe where they've had their shot, whether it's down an alleyway or in a toilet, you know. Don't want some kid coming up and... You know, kids are inquisitive. Can you also get the um, the containers to take with you as well? Yeah, the, the yellow ones. ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
But but you have to have the will to want to use it, right? Exactly, and it stands out. You know, if, if the police see it, True. they're going to stop you straight away. You know, and the plastic plastic bag they give you all the stuff in. It's a black bag, and everyone knows what that what is in that. If you if you've been at like if you, the cops all know if you because those black bags are like the biggest red red flag, you know, to get stopped for pulled over even for people to know that you know everyone, you've got syringes in it. It's a, have you seen them? They've yeah. been using them for years. Yeah. The same so everyone knows it's, that's a sort of bit of a downer. I talked to someone in the aftercare zone yesterday and they were like, I always bring my own bag to put the bag inside. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, like a backpack or something. Yeah. yeah, I used to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get caught with, like if they pull you over for just a normal reason and they see the syringes, they're going to do a lot more of a search on you. And, you know, that's why it's bad to carry them around. That's another reason why people just dump them where they've had their shot. Yeah, right. You know, so that's... You know, it's little things like that. Hey, Michelle here. Thanks so much to Beatty for sharing his story and to Christina for hosting. We respectfully acknowledge that this series was made on unceded Wurundjeri, Turrbal and Yuggera land. <laughs>